Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. We are here, we are alive, and we are well. And praise the Lord that, you know, I know that this week has been a, a, a roller coaster of emotions and just different things that are happening around us in our midst. And even through, we know that most of our brothers and sisters are going through difficult situations, we can rely in the promise of God that He is faithful and that He knows what is best for us. And that in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, God is there with us. He is acting as a co-sufferer and we don't have to suffer on our own, but He is there with us in our suffering. And that is the promise. Let us bow our heads um, as we start with opening prayer once again. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we are here gathered this morning because we are wanting to come close to you and to learn more of you. Lord, this morning we just ask that you will guide my words and my thoughts and that the things that are said this morning may be uh, a blessing to those who hear them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Sociologists don't have a clear consensus when it comes to the definition of the word community. When we think often of the word community in sociological circles, we often think of words of Ferdinand Tonys or the founding German father of sociological uh, or classical sociology, Karl Mannheim. However, sociologist Phil uh, Bardell defines the nature of community as a sociological construct meaning a set of interactions, human behaviors that have meaning and expectations between members. In other words, community are, are not, is not just an action. Community are not just based on shared expectations, values, beliefs, meanings between individuals. But within this context, we see that the word community is expressed not just as to describe a geographical location or a building or a structure with four walls, but really what community is, is a group of people with a common interest. As we see all the time in sports, team members coming together with a common purpose to win the game. We also see in school, students joining together for a, a school project if, with a common purpose because they want to get a good grade. And also in a hospital, doctors and nurses, RTs, uh, PTs, all joining together to bring the person back to health. In companies, political circles, or even in a peaceful march across the city, we see a group of people joining together with a common interest. 
And what is true for community reminds us that the same is true from a spiritual sense. Much can be accomplished when a group of believers come together for a common purpose. Just like it was true for the ancient church, the same is true for the modern church. If we want to experience a vibrant community, a vibrant spiritual life, it demands that we come together for a common purpose. Please turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. And thank you so much, Peggy, for reading that for us. And before we get there, let's do a little bit of recapping. The book of Acts comes after the book of Luke and John. And you see what had happened is that Jesus, the leader, the rabbi, the teacher of the disciples had been crucified. And with that, all their hopes and dreams had come to a crushing end. But then, through the power of God, he had risen from the grave and had gathered his disciples together, sort of like a last farewell. And he gives them a charge of hope and power. The great commission to be his agents to the whole world, to every nation, kindred, and tongue. Do you remember the last time that we had this study, the two key words that we talked about in the book of Acts? Hope and mission. Why hope? Because hope is what propels us to stand firm in God's promises, that He is faithful and that He will do what He said that He will do. That there is something better than this desert wasteland of a world and that He will soon return for us. For without hope, the emphasis on mission would be meaningless because Jesus is the reason for the mission. And then, after the charge, we see that Jesus ascends to heaven and the disciples are left there speechless and still trying to figure out and to understand what did Jesus meant by the power of the Holy Spirit? Why did you, what did you mean by that you would preach with the gospel? It wasn't all yet clear. And so then, not really sure what would come next, they all started heading back from the hill where Jesus ascended back to the city of Jerusalem. And that's where we read the text from this morning. And it goes like this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Notice with me, it's so interesting. The, the, the disciples, when they returned back to Jerusalem, they didn't go back to their homes. They didn't go back to the temple where they, they worshipped. Where did they go? The Bible says that they went to the upper room of a private house. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the Selet, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the woman 
Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Just a, a note aside, it was those same women that are mentioned here that were the last ones at the cross. These were the faithful and resilient disciples who stuck with Jesus when everyone else left. And so we are looking here at this morning at this text, and you're probably thinking, what an ordinary text. And you're probably right. But there's something so profound that goes beyond the surface of the text that, if, that truly jumps and grabs our attention. Follow with me closely, just for a few more minutes. Just as we noted in our previous study, The book of Acts is the history book of the New Testament, which records the miracles and the preaching of the disciples and the organizing of the early church in its early stages. The book might be popular for the average Christian because of the story that comes after the story that we just read this morning, known as the Pentecost a festival that occurred, a story that says a minority of Jewish Christian disciples that were gathered together praying and the Holy Spirit came like never before, like a fire, like a wind with power. And this story is so remarkable because the Holy Spirit was present there that all the disciples began speaking in different languages. And that's the moment when the gospel becomes a multi-ethnic, multicultural, global movement. It is such a powerful event. And if you continue to read in chapter 2, you see that 3,000 people are baptized in one day. That moment was so memorable. That moment was so historic. But here's the thing. Don't, don't lose sight. That story happens after the moment that we just read. So often do we skip this part of the story in a haste to get to Acts chapter 2 without realizing that the extraordinary moment only happens after the ordinary one. In the story, we see a group of believers coming together with a common purpose constantly in prayer. Imagine if the disciples were not joined together constantly in prayer, they probably would have never experienced the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit. Because, MPC, if we want an extraordinary, if we want the extraordinary, we first need the ordinary. In the story, we see a group of believers with a common interest that formed a community They form a community, not a geographical location, not a building with four walls, but a group of people joined together, like-minded people doing ordinary things. In verse 14, it says that they were constantly in prayer because, you see, through prayer was the church made open to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was a primary feature of the original community of believers. Without the disciples joining together constantly in prayer, the Pentecost would likely not have occurred. Without the disciples constantly coming together in prayer, 3,000 people would have not been baptized in one day. They probably would have never seen the gospel become a multi-ethnic, multicultural global movement. 
Because to have the extraordinary, we first need the ordinary. When I look at the ancient church, the primary feature of the original community that experienced a vibrant spiritual life, we see that it all began with prayer. Prayer was the catalyst that propelled the ancient church from the ordinary to the extraordinary. Prayer is what moved a minority of Jewish Christian disciples gathering together to form a multi-ethnic and multicultural community of believers that ultimately launched a global movement. And for the modern Christian church of today, we need people who pray. Those who are willing to practice a daily prayer rhythm. Those who are willing to do the daily lifting and the daily lifting in the church. Those who are willing to do the ordinary if they want the extraordinary. Because many of us here want this. We want a vibrant church that offers every ministry under the sun. We want special programs and activities for our children and young people to get excited and connected about God. We want a spiritual life that checks all the boxes that we are spiritually healthy. So the question is Mount Pleasant. Will we become a community of prayer? Because to have the extraordinary, we first need the ordinary. Before there was the power of Pentecost, before there was optimism of what was to come, there was ordinary, of simply gathering together, praying together, and doing life together. The challenge for us as modern Christians is to develop a daily prayer rhythm that is sustainable. Author Tyler Stanton writes, The modern church is in desperate need of one of the church's most historic practices, one that has been largely forgotten in our time, a daily prayer rhythm. We can't merely look back and romanticize another time. The invitation is to live it now. Prayer, to return to where we began, it's more of a practice than a theory. If we want a biblical experience, we must live biblical lives, taking biblical practices in a new time, in a new place. What would happen if we as followers of Jesus, like the ancient church, lived our lives in such a way that everything else was prioritized around prayer rather than prayer fitting around competing priorities? Communion with God of, with our God of love, the center of our life, and anchoring with Him every day. In my brokenness, in my pain, in my grief, when death is knocking at my door, I don't know about you, but I feel like I need more. Of Jesus. Through my problems, through my situations, through my circumstances, I need more of Jesus. 
when I'm having problems in my marriage, when my health is not doing well, when, when my love one is spiritually drifting away from Jesus. I need more of Him. What if the center of our every day, what is the center of our every day? We place communion with God. What if fidelity to Jesus is everything and the way we choose is as simple as prayer? What if as a church we became a community of prayer that opened itself to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? What if it starts here, today, right now? I know that our church this couple of weeks have been, has been going through real rough situations. And most of us who are on the group chat have seen all the things that have been happening and how we've been dealing with those situations. More than ever today, we need Jesus. More than ever today, we need to come together and be a community of prayer. And I want to invite you to become an integral part of this prayer community. We're trying to change the DNA, the culture of this church. I want people that come to this church to know that this church is a church that prays. That this church is a church where Jesus dwells, where His Holy Spirit is present. To be an ordinary, to be the ordinary so that we can experience the extraordinary. And there's one practice that we might say ritual that the church has done for centuries to communicate their total dependence on God. And that is the practice that we call communion. And so at this moment, we will shift to that service. And I believe that... Uh, the men are in the fellowship hall and the ladies will meet in the boardroom. And so if this is your desire, if we want to start to be intentional about our commitment to Jesus, it's time that we start today to be closer more than ever and to say, Jesus, we're we're going to do this together as a family and pray together as a family. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are gathered here together um, just wanting, Lord, to, to be intentional about building community together in prayer and, and joining together. We're all wrestling with different situations, different things in our lives. But Lord, we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that you are faithful to be with us and that you are guiding us. So Lord, please be with this church. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.
in this in this moment, what we're going to do is uh, we will start this part of the program with opening prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord, for all that you have done for us. And this is just a sign of our devotion and complete surrendering of ourselves to you. Lord, allow us to to accept the gift and the sacrifice that you have so richly given us that we can accept it and believe in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Corinthians 11, uh, verse 23 says, For I have received from the Lord what I have also passed unto you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. At this moment, I'm going to kneel here in the front, and I'm going to ask those who are in the congregation to to stay as you are. Or if you want to kneel, you can also kneel as well. We're going to pray for the bread. Our Heavenly Father, we come once again to you in gratitude and thankfulness, Lord, for the sacrifice that you have given us, your broken body. And the, the meaning of that and remembering that, Lord, that sacrifice was done for us. And, Lord, through that sacrifice, we have hope in Christ Jesus. And we can live in togetherness, knowing, Lord, that you have paid the price for our sins. So, Lord, thank you so much for blessing us and for doing already what needs to be done on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And just as Christians from all over the ages have participated in this emblem, so we are to participate in this moment. We may eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is my new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this and this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us all drink together. Our Father in heaven, Lord, uh, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. And Lord, as we part our separate ways, we ask that your spirit will continue to be with us. And Lord, help us to continue to be grateful for all the things that you have done, but to also to return our devotion to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.